Hello, magic seekers, and welcome to It Turns Out She's a Witch. We're your hosts, Laura and Shannon, and, and welcome, welcome to, to our, our podcast coven. to our beautiful podcast coming we're back again this week we are and i'm so excited i am too we've got a very cool episode coming up yeah we do we and do. i've done a bit of prep this week normally you do all the heavy lifting of which yeah. i'm so grateful for and um this week i was researching as well and i do like research and i do like giving it the time warranted and you gave me Adequate heads up. Yep. Um, so anyone that's listened to Turns Out It's Haunted and Turns Out She's Psychic, anyone that's heard those stuff know that I like looking things up because I get curious. So mm. this has been – this has scratched that itch. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> and we thought we'd just have a little chat to say what's been happening lately and as yes. you may have heard with our outro that we do have a Patreon now. Yes, it's a new outro, guys, and the Patreon is just there as a tasty little morsel to tempt you into some extra offerings and obviously extra cash for us to keep this afloat. Yes, <laughs> yes, because Laura and Matt do this with the generosity of your time and, and oh, it does. we all do. We all love doing it, but it's nice to cover the platform fees yes, and all the, well, that's what all I was the boring say. admin. You guys are covering all the, the fees to actually keep <laughs> it all happening and keep, keep it out going. every week. So yep. if we can cover that, we're stoked. Yep. Yeah. So it's all good. It so is. thank you very it much, is. everybody. Yeah. And, um, yeah, what else has been happening in your world, Miss Lara? Well, my world has been busy with work and kids and, and doing this, getting back to it and fighting my computer because sometimes it doesn't um, it doesn't want to do what I ask it to do. Mm. So I don't know if um, anyone listens to Turns Out She's Psychic, but last week we did lose an episode, so we skipped a week inadvertently. Yeah. And um, just before we started recording, Shan, I was telling you how devo I was because Tracy and I had a wonderful chat about uh, riffing around on the theme that her abilities, whether or not uh, she sees them as a gift and whether or not other people see them as a gift and what that means to everyone. So, uh, yeah, it was, um, it was a shame to have lost it, but it is definitely gone and whether or not we return to that topic and do a redo or just carry on. I guess that remains to be seen. It just depends on where we go from here. Yeah. But we will always be back with another episode the following week. Definitely. Yeah. And if anyone has been listening to Turns Out She's a Witch, we were meant to have the tarot lady on last week in the episode, but unfortunately that recording uh, went a little bit haywire as well. So it only recorded Tracy and my... Uh, our voices in the track and didn't record Teresa. So we are blessed that she has said she'll come back and record again. And yes. <laughs> and yeah, we will get that one out to you guys probably mid-March we're looking at because um, we were so excited, so pumped to get her on yeah. and, and talk about all things tarot and but alas. It was really interesting <laughs> actually because I was fully doing the um, – 
producer ghosty that episode. I was listening in and I was on mute and it sounded fine. Um, but when the recording came back, there was just nothing there. It was incredible <sighs> and not fun. So last week was, was not fun, but we, you know. Ah, we'll get there. We carried on and that's yeah, just all it. good. Yeah, what do you do? Just carry on. Keep going. Yeah. Keep recording. So thanks everybody for your patience and, and all of that. All of that fluffy stuff. Definitely. <laughs> and be assured we have some amazing guests coming up this season. We're oh, super, super goodness. pumped. And yep. seriously can't believe these people have said yes to speak to us. <laughs> We've got a bit of a super manifesto slash super attractor over here in Shannon. She is just working her magic and, it's, <laughs> and I'm just glad to be in its path. So oh, look, there might be a few, yeah, a few little spells and new moon intentions in yes. there, but this yeah. stuff works. It does. Anyone it really that does. hasn't tried it, go for it, feel it out and just do it if it resonates with you. Mm. Well, I have a bit of a funny story, even just the full moon that just went, the oh, um, yeah. Leo full moon. It was a bit of a week. <laughs> Ooh, it was a week. It was a week. And mm-hmm. I set the intention of doing a burning to release all that no longer served me. But my big one was like self-sabotaging behaviours and habits. Oh, wow. And I know yeah. one of mine, which has been for years, is I'm a massive night bird. Like I'm happy to stay up until midnight, yeah. easy most nights and... um but I struggle to get up in the morning and then I find that if I sleep in, I'm then feeling like I'm trying to catch up through the day and all that time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And lately I've been feeling like there's not enough hours in the day and there's so much that we've got going on at the moment with the build of our new studio and everything. Yeah. But um, yeah, so it was part of my intention on that full moon. And I swear since then I've been waking up naturally at 5 45 a.m every morning yeah since the morning of the full moon and by 9 30 at night my eyes are hanging out of my head and I've got to go to bed it's awesome it's it works it yeah. works and even like my family are like what is going on with you why are you up because <laughs> it's so unusual it's for you. so unusual <laughs> even I'm like wow and this morning like we're recording this on the Saturday before yeah. we're releasing and yeah, Saturday morning at normally weekends, I don't have to do school drop off and I, I have a good sleep in. And I was up at 5.45 watching oh, the sunrise, wow, having wow. a cup of coffee and writing in my journal. And Doing yeah, everyone nice thought things. I was like crazy, like, wow, what is going on? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going with it because I feel like this yeah. is what I need to do to be able to do all the things Make the that most I want to do. Your time, yeah. Yeah. I remember when we went to England for the first time and the jet lag yeah, and for the first time in hectic. my life I experienced what it felt like to be wide awake and bright-eyed and bushy-tailed at like five in the morning and I loved it because it really is the best part of the day yeah. but having like being awake and having that energy and outlook are two separate things. Definitely. And to get them to, <laughs> to align is, is beautiful. Yeah. So that's been my little bit of... Um, Magic in the mundane, Ooh-hoo. I would call it. Just nice. those little, it's those little wins. It's those little tweaks. That's it what is. It's all about. It is. All you've got to do is little tweak it. Yep, definitely. Oh, nice. <laughs> I love that for you. Thank you. We'll see how long it lasts. I'm yeah. hoping it's a, a new habit I'm forming, but I'll keep you posted. <laughs> yeah, well, absolutely. As a mum of little kids, I'm up early every morning and I dream of like sleep ins, but perhaps oh. I should just ride this wave. Yep. But then I stay up late just to get time to myself. So I'm just. Well, I think that's kind of how that habit formed for me. Yeah. 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 Because I remember 
doing the same thing. You'd get the kids to bed and that was yeah. your time yeah. and totally you need yeah. it. Yeah. But now my kids are like 22, 20 and 15 so yeah. I don't have that excuse anymore. Don't yeah. change mama bear. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> so we had a read email which Ooh, I thought we would um, get into at the start of this episode. It's a good one. It is a real good one. So yeah. I don't know if you guys remember quite a while ago, I think it was during the witch trial episode, um, which was back in the start of season one about the history of, of yeah. the witch. Yeah. And Tracy put it out there and said, if there's any Christian witches listening, uh, how do you merge the two? Like how do you reconcile that um, with knowing the history and all that sort of stuff? And to reach out to us and let us know. So we've had someone yes, reach out, which we I was have. delighted. Especially in the break over Christmas, I think people were going back and binging maybe. Yeah. Yes. So I thought um, I would read it out and I did get permission to read read out these emails. So I just thought this would be a really, um, yeah, beautiful topic for people that might be interested in how to merge the two. So how to merge, you know, the Christian faith with witchcraft because yeah. they predominantly are quite different so um i'm gonna read go on tell us more so hello first i would like to say i recently discovered turns out she's a witch and i absolutely love it i love the conversational style and shannon is very informative oh thank yes, you yes she is <laughs> <laughs> my name is bk and i live in the usa southeast connecticut to be precise the last episode I listened to, you said you wanted to hear from Christian witches and how they reconcile the two. So here I am. I would like to start off by saying I'm a baby witch, like newborn, possibly with the umbilical cord still attached. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I do. So, so beautiful. But I am doing a lot of research because I feel this is the right path for me. But the important issue is how do I reconcile? When it comes to the Bible, it is my understanding that all the verses against witches are from the King James Version, and I don't hold much stock in that version. Also, there is room for interpretation, as it has been translated so many times. This is what I believe, and it falls in line with what a lot of Christian witches believe as well. So he's got some dot points here. The craft is of nature, which is of God. There are many secrets held by the Catholic Church. Who's to say some of them don't pertain to witchcraft and its relation to natural worship? This is a bit of a stretch and a bit of a conspiracy, <laughs> but it's still a thought. <laughs> the Holy Trinity of God, the Son and the Holy Spirit are recognised by Christian witches, but the Spirit is viewed as God the Mother. And there are two books written by God, the Bible and nature. I could go on and on, but what led me down this path is the following. I believe nature is a gift from God as its natural magic. Christian witch is kind of like Wicca, but the God we pray to and worship to is the Christian God instead of the others. I feel that prayer alone won't cut it. I believe prayer combined with the craft is the right way to go. I've always been an outlier as a Christian and have always hated religion. Instead, I have considered myself a man of faith, a follower of Christ and his teachings, but a lot of Christians suck and are a blemish on the name. <laughs> Feel free to reach out if you have any questions and thank you for providing so much useful information in such an entertaining way. Take care, BK. Wow. I'd How love, awesome. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, well, I reached out to BK and I was like, thank you so much for, yeah. 
for getting in touch with us and telling us your side of it. Like I was so intrigued about how he merged the two. So I did write back to him and I said, you know, thank you for sharing your experiences and if he'd mind us sharing. And I also asked him if he could tell us a little bit more about how, you know, how he does his spiritual practice. Yeah, yeah. So he graciously sent us this in return. So greetings from way across the ponds. Regarding how do I combine prayer with the craft? I'll first say I haven't done spells or anything significant yet, but I can say this. I took your advice about using the selenite wand to rub around the back of my neck. I do it in the morning while manifesting and visualising having a good and positive day. I still do old-fashioned Christian prayer. I'm Protestant, so I just pray my own way and ask for help, protection, guidance throughout the day. I don't usually do any of the old-timey official prayers. I missed Imok by a hair, but I'm <laughs> looking forward to Astara. I took my daughter to the beach to collect quartz and other easy-to-find crystals. We have one nearby called Moonstone Beach. How oh, awesome does what? that sound? <laughs> nice. Where a lot of the rocks are naturally polished. I'll attach a picture. And he did. And it oh. is beautiful. I'm gonna, I will post it to socials. Nice. As we were there, I was mindful to leave something behind. In this case, we removed any litter we came across and left thanks. My new path has also made me mindful of the energy I put out. For example, if I find myself having a bad attitude, I remind myself that I only want to put good energy out into the universe. I'm happy to keep in touch and update you on my journey. And of course, you can read my emails on the episodes. I look forward to hearing it and hearing you two discuss your thoughts on my take on putting our faiths in the blender and hitting puree. Oh, that's so awesome. Amazing. And he said he's currently on the intuition episode. So he's still got quite a lot to get through. But um, yeah, yeah, I just thought that was awesome. Yeah. What a way to puree those <laughs> belief systems yeah. up. Yeah, and do what resonates for yep. you. And I think that is a beautiful part of witchcraft is it's not set in stone. Like I know Wicca has certain rules and yep. different traditions have certain um, outlines, but overall you can make it what you want to make it. And yep, the pagan is, side. Yeah, and witchcraft has always been um, the intention is the most yeah, vital part of all of it. So yeah. whether it's taking a rock that's just a rock to anyone else or to you it's something sacred and holds energy and it's, yeah. yeah. Where has it come from? How is yeah. it formed? What's its story? Exactly. What's it holding? Yeah. Yeah. All of that. So I, I guess with him blending the Christian faith with this, it's yeah. melding it into this beautiful um, practice where yep. – I think that's, for me, with witchcraft, it is that tangible, like gathering ingredients and visually seeing something through ritual. So I guess that's what BK is yearning for uh, rather than yep. just prayer alone, having those rituals and... Yeah, that intention behind it. Yeah, yep. it's really beautiful. Wow. But thank you, BK. We really, really appreciate your view. Such a good share as well, putting yourself out there to share that. Definitely. Being at such a baby age um, in this side of things with your umbilical cord attached, that's that's a massive (laughs) thing to even reach out. And um, it's just amazing to be part of a platform that um, welcomes and supports everyone in that light. So Mm. that's awesome in itself to just to be here, be part of that community. Yeah. 
And I feel. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I thought um, I would touch on the KJV version of the Bible. So okay. for people that aren't yeah. aware of it. Mm-hmm. So the King James Version of the Bible, also known as the KJV, was first published in 1611. And this the first witch execution, actually, I'm going to reframe that. The first woman murdered as a witch right. in the UK was in 1566. And she was a woman by the name of Agnes Waterhouse. And the last witch to be killed in the UK was in 1684. And her name was Alice Molland. So the witch murders happened between 1566 and 1684. And the King James Version of that Bible came out and was published smack bang in the middle of all that. Wow. So, yeah, I feel it's no coincidence. Well, sure, yeah. Yeah, and that particular Bible version has verses in it that says things like, thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. A man also also or woman that hath a familiar spirit or that is a wizard shall surely be put to death they shall stone them with stones, their blood shall be upon them. Uh, another lovely verse. There shall not be found among any of you that useth divination or an observer of times or an enchanter or a witch or a charmer or a consulter with familiar spirits or a wizard or a necromancer. Whoa. Yeah. So Observer of the times. So I guess like a psychic. That's how I interpreted okay. that. Like. Someone that observing the times. Okay. Past, like present, maybe, future. Yeah, something. that's how I, okay. I could be wrong. Please Not let me know. Not just someone with am, a sundial out there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it is morning time. No You're one bloody witch. left. <laughs> I know, Crying right? out loud. So, yes, I feel okay, like it's yeah. no coincidence that that Bible was published during that time when there was so much fear that, and yeah. fervour around, around witches. a really important point that, BK recognised yeah. and pointed out. That's, Definitely. That's fascinating. That he doesn't itself. resonate with that version. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So anyway, that was a little, yeah, a little history lesson about the Bible. <laughs> I appreciate that religion study. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. <laughs> so on to our next topic. Yes. This week. Um, today's topic. Today's topic. So we've got the real fairy tales. Yeah. And I can't remember how this came about. Oh, Do you remember? It's a random chat, an offhand was, comment about Little Red Riding Hood maybe or, or Disney. In um, last and, episode actually. And the witches. It was yes. the hats and the pointy shoes. It was. And, so we thought we would yep. delve into fairy tales and like yeah, how they've evolved. Mm. Because it's the interesting. Art of, it is so, so interesting. And the art of storytelling is such an ancient one that's through yes. like every culture in the world. Absolutely. That's all they had. Yeah, like their stories, their myths, their legends, yep. and that's how we would learn. And yeah, folklore. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. This is how you'd be taught. Yeah, stories were laced with the morals and, you know, the fables and the learnings from stories. Mm. So it is, I guess, a link to our past fairy yeah. tales, aren't yeah. they? Of yeah. How, you know, Because they evolve. <laughs> yeah. 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 And what I most love about fairy tales is the magic element. You can't go past. Yes. Every fairy tale seems to have that in it. Absolutely. So today, uh, the tales that we're sharing are mainly from Brothers Grimm and Hans Christian Andersen. So I thought I'd give everyone a little background on who the heck these people are. Please do. 
So Grimm's Fairy Tales, originally known as the Children's and Household Tales, in uh, it's a German collection of fairy tales by the Grimm brothers, also known as Brothers Grimm, Jacob and Willem, first published in December 1812. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. And then Hans Christian Andersen is a Danish author, although he was a prolific writer of plays, travelogues, novels and poems, and he's best remembered for his literary fairy tales. And Andersen's fairy tales consist of 156 stories. That's a lot. That's a whole lot of fairy tales across nine volumes and they were translated into more than 125 languages. Wow. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. And some have become culturally embedded into the West's collective consciousness. So they're readily accessible to children but presenting lessons of virtue, resilience in the face of adversity um, and Older readers can definitely relate to a lot of their themes as well. Mm-hmm. So his most famous fairy tales include The Emperor's New Clothes, The Little Mermaid, mm. The Nightingale, The Princess and the Pea, The Snow Queen, The Ugly Duckling and Thumbelina. Mm-hmm. I still love Thumbelina. Yeah. And his stories have inspired ballets, plays and animated live uh, and live action films. Yeah. 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 I've heard of lots of those. Yeah. <laughs> so, am I going first? Yeah, go on. You go and then I'll go and then you go and then yes. I'll go. <laughs> so, get ready, dear listeners. We're going to... Oh, yeah. So, these stories are going to start these out the light real and really dark, maybe. We're probably going to ruin fairy tales for you, let me just Sorry. say. Yeah. So, waver here. And I know with the ones I covered, there are... Um, Themes that aren't child friendly. Even though they were fairy tales for children. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. So, yeah. Things have changed. Get little ears out of the way in case there are any. Yeah. Because, yeah, Disney's going dark. We are. Yep. We're going dark, Disney. You're warned. You are. <laughs> be forewarned. So, first up, I'm going to cover Cinderella. Okay. So Cinderella was one of my favourites when I was a kid and her like beautiful blue sparkling gown and... Very familiar with the golden slippers and the little mice. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and the birds and... Yep. The pumpkin that turned into a carriage. Fairy godmother. Yep, the fairy godmother. Bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, we watched that lots. (laughs) (laughs) So you could argue that Cinderella is the neediest of the Disney princesses. And her home situation isn't very ideal and she cries until her fairy godmother appears but then her fairy godmother proceeds to use her magic and give little Cinder babes everything she needs. So this is the Disney version. Yes. And then with Cinderella's stunningly good looks and a little magic, she charms Prince Charming and they live happily ever after in the magic castle. Yes. So that's basically the Disney version. Yes. But did you know the original version is Uh believed to be... 2,000 year old, years old. Okay. And that Cinderella is actually Greek. Okay. Yep. yep. That's common. A lot of... Yeah. The, yep. Okay. Go on. And the first recorded story featuring a Cinderella-like character dates to Greece in the 6th century BCE. Wow. I know. And the ancient tale, a Greek courtesan named Rhodopis, has one of her shoes stolen by an eagle who flies it all the way across the Mediterranean and drops it in the lap of an Egyptian king. Wow. I know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're going to have a lot of wows this episode, I reckon. <laughs> Sorry in advance. I love it. <laughs> and then taking the shoe drop as a sign from the heavens, 
literally and metaphorically, the king goes on a quest to find the owner of the shoe. When he finds Rhodopis, he marries her, lifting her from her lowly status to the throne. Sure. He saves her. He saves her. He does. Thank you, Rhodopis. So, and then in total, more than 500 versions of Cinderella have been found all throughout Europe. Okay. And the Cinderella we know comes from France. So the first version of Cinderella that bears any significance to what we know as the Disney version was created in the 17th century when a story called Senna... Oh, I'm going to stuff this up. Cenerentola. Wow. That sounds so French. (laughs) Cenerentola. And I'm probably absolutely hacking that with my Australian accent. Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) Cenerentola was published in a collection of short Italian stories. Uh So Cenerentola has all the ingredients of the modern day tale, the wicked stepmother and stepsisters, the magic and the missing slipper, but it's darker and more magical. In this story, a woman named Zezola escapes the king who wants to marry her at two separate celebrations before he finally catches her at the third one and prevents her from leaving. Instead of a story of requited love, Cenerentola <laughs> is a story of forced marriage and not two but six very wicked stepsisters. Six. Six. Yikes. And then 60 years later the Italian tale got a French twist and became the story we know. So in Cendrillon, Charles Perrault, a French writer credited for inventing the the fairy tale, cast the form that Cinderella would take for the next 400 years. So he introduced the glass slipper, the pumpkin and the fairy godmother. Dressed it up a bit. He did. Oh, a true and stylish Italian. Oh, Oh, French. 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 Yes, it went from the Italian to the French. Yes, I'm with you. And this is the version that Disney later adapted into its animated classic. Uh-huh. And the Brothers Grimm also collected the tale in their famous fairy tale compendium. That story called, and I'm so going to screw this up. <laughs> Go Ash- on. <laughs> Ashen Puttle. <laughs> nice. It's spelled A-S-C-H-E-N-P-U-T-T-E-L. All right, I'm not going to. Ashen yep. Excellent. Cinderella in the English translations uh-huh. appeared more than a hundred years after Perrault's French version in the 19th century. So, Ashen Putul is a much darker tale. So, Cinderella's wishes don't come from a fairy godmother, but a tree growing on her mother's grave. Wow. Cinderella planted a twig there and she wept over it until it turned into a tree. So she clearly has her own magical powers. Oh, wow. And her father, instead of being absent, is willfully ignorant of his daughter's suffering. So Cinderella frequently weeps and prays by this tree, which grants whatever items she may want. Oh, my heart. Willfully ignorant. Far out. And eventually she catches wind of a festival that is being held for the prince, which she desires to attend. It spans three days. And over the course of these three days, she calls on birds to aid her. The birds also do her chores and bring her shoes and dresses of increasing beauty that she wears to the festival. The prince wishes to escort her home each day, but she manages to disappear. And we're not really sure why in this version. Right, okay. But the third day, he gets wise and he actually coats the stairs with tar so that her shoes get stuck when she tries to leave. wow. And she simply just leaves them and keeps going they get stuck and she's like whatever i'm out of here yep (laughs) (laughs) 
And the prince then travels to find the owner of the shoe, which in this version is made of gold, not glass. And Cinderella's sisters famously cut off parts of their feet in attempt to wear the shoe. Mm. They get called out on it because there's blood in the shoe. Oh, my God. As if you wouldn't notice. <laughs> You've got a toe missing. Yeah, and a bit of a heel. Oh. A bit of a heel chopped off. So gross. But eventually everyone finds out that the shoe belonged to Cinderella. When the prince does find Cinderella, he immediately puts her on his horse and rides off with her. Cinderella and the prince get married, but at the ceremony she has her stepsisters as bridesmaids. And pigeons arrive and peck out the eyes of her stepsisters. Wow. Oh, my God. While it isn't mentioned in the story, with Cinderella's affinity for birds, you've got to wonder if she had anything to do with that. Of course she did. The end. Wow. <laughs> it's so dark, but I, I love it. I wasn't expecting the, the, the pecking eye of the eyes. Yeah. yeah. It's just those, like, years and years ago, their the stories were just hectic. Next level. Compared to these days. Imagine that in Disney. Yeah. <laughs> They're so washed down <laughs> these days. But back then, I guess, you know, there were, oh, God, I'm going to get my ears way jammed up here and so out of, um, out of relevance. But, you know, you're looking at gladiators killing one another and killing big beasts and lions and whatnot so I guess that was just that was life true but oh my goodness so she's had quite the journey Cinderella Cinders for the win yeah Cinders (laughs) for the win and don't piss her off she'll get your eyes pecked out by birds she will Mm. Uh, that's uh fascinating Thank you. Very welcome oh my god now it's coming up I've got um Sleeping Beauty so I'm going to start off a little bit about the Disney's adaptation and then talk about um, where some of these stories have come from and where they have evolved from. Love it. Bring it on, Laura. All right. So Disney's 1959 film, Sleeping Beauty, told the story of a young princess whom a sorceress tries to doom by casting a spell calling for her to die at age 16 when she pricks herself on a spindle. That curse can only be partially undone by a good fairy, with the result that the princess will slumber until awakened by the kiss of her true love, the prince. The two then fall in love, get married and live happily ever after. As they all do in Disney. That's right. (laughs) That's pretty much what happens in both Charles Perrault. So Charles Perrault... um, has written or collated these stories, much like the Brothers Grimm, both of the stories I'm covering. Um, So we'll start with The Sleeping Beauty, but he's one of my main authors. Um, And Brothers Grimm versions of the story as well. But they cleaned up the story from earlier versions, such as the 14th century's Francis Percy Forest or Perse Forest, in which the prince finds the young woman. So the young woman still gets pricked and falls to sleep. Okay. My God. (laughs) Sorry. So that all still happens. Yep. And she's sleeping. So the prince that's meant to come and find her and rescue her actually finds this young woman lying in a bedchamber naked and comatose. What? He can't resist the urge to have sex with her. No, he doesn't. She becomes pregnant. What? And has a child while all while remaining asleep. Disturbed. So some may call that rape. Just a little rapey? Sure. But her baby 
bites his mother's finger, <laughs> mistaking it for a breast and causing the spindle prick to fall out of her finger and the young lady to awaken. <gasps> in another version, in Jim Batista's Basile's 1634 story, The Sun, the Moon and Talia, it's a king who impregnates the sleeping, still sleeping maiden. I'm like shook yeah. right now. <laughs> you just stay seated. Oh. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's sleeping beauty. Mm. How, how could they control themselves? Mm. So in this version, it's the king that impregnates the sleeping maiden who then gives birth to twins. Oh. When his queen finds out, she sends her cook Get ready. Oh, God. This, this, it gets it, worse? It gets worse. To get the children, to kill and cook them. No. And serve them to her wayward husband as punishment. <gasps> Fortunately, the cook can't bring himself to do it and serves lamb instead. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sorry. I've really, just... <laughs> really killed that for you. So that's Sleeping Beauty. So it Fuck. really comes from non-consensual sex rape. Wow. I had no idea. Yeah. At all. I'm so sorry to no, have done I'm that glad. to you. I know. Your, like, your I think face. knowledge is power. Yes. It's a good thing. But so they cleaned, they did clean that story up. Thank goodness. But that um, folklore was, yeah, was aimed at. Wow. I guess highlighting the dangers of sleeping when there are men around. <laughs> or don't um, have sex with women that are sleeping without consent, perhaps. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. So that's sleeping. That's next beauty. level. Yeah. Huh. That, that was really <laughs> short and sweet, but that is... Um, sleeping beauty. I'm sleeping never going to look at that the same ever again. In a nutshell, and thank God that they cleaned that up. But that is the, that is the folklore and stories of where it came from. It was either a prince Ooh. or a king that had non-consensual sex with a comatose sleeping princess. Wow. And either way, she gave birth still asleep. To yeah. babies. And it was the baby that saved it. Wow. Hmm. Well, I'm about to just ruin the Little Mermaid for everyone now. Oh, my God. <laughs> Wherever you are, take a big breath. Big breath. Prepare yourself. I found this one. So I actually told my daughter Layla, who's nearly 15, I read this out to her yesterday and she was just sitting there gobsmacked going, what? <laughs> like, yeah. what? <laughs> yeah. But it's it's cool. There's, there's definitely some metaphors in here that you can see why okay. they would have told this tale. Oh, go on. So authored by Hans Christian Andersen, it's anything but a happy fairy tale with a satisfying ending and a very stark contrast to Disney version which I freaking loved. Like I yeah. knew that movie. I reckon I still do. I reckon if you put it on right now, I'd be able to recite every word. Yeah, and, and the songs. You the would songs. know all the words to the oh, songs. Yeah, it was beautiful. Hmm. So The Little Mermaid also has no name in Anderson's story. So that was really familiar for him to do that in a lot of his fairy tales. Oh, right. Yeah, they didn't have names. They were oh. like The Little Mermaid or yep. Little Red Riding Hood yep. and that kind of thing. Yeah, sure. Okay. So The Mermaid's are allowed to visit the surface as much as they like when they reach 15 years of age. And when the Little Mermaid's turn comes, she rises to the surface and witnesses a shipwreck. She saves the prince from drowning and promptly falls in love with him. So that's the same as the movie. Hmm. The prince, however, is unconscious 
And when the little mermaid leaves him on a shore on the steps of a temple, a young girl comes out of the temple and the prince thinks that this is the girl that saved him. The little mermaid is sad, but she goes back out to sea. So she gets into a very deep conversation with her grandmother about humans, mermaids and mortality and finds out that while humans live short lives, they have souls that give them eternal afterlife. Mermaids, however, live for around 300 years and then simply dissolve into sea foam ceasing to exist. Wow. Yeah. Huh. So after hearing this, the Little Mermaid wants so very much to become a human so that she can have a soul. She's desperate enough that she visits a sea witch. In this version of the, the story, the witch actually seems so much kinder than Disney's Ursula oh. because she gives the Little Mermaid several chances to back out of the deal and tells her upfront that she's destined to a life of misery and pain if she changes her tail for two legs. Wow. And part of the conditions are that she will be the best dancer in the world but her feet will feel as if they are being pricked by glass shards every minute and as if her toes are bleeding. Oh, my God. And also she will only get a human soul if the prince loves her and marries her. Otherwise she will turn to sea foam. But even this doesn't deter her. It is only at the very end of their conversation that the sea witch asks for the little mermaid's voice as payment. So after giving her a potion that will make her human, she cuts out the little mermaid's tongue. Yikes. So that certainly takes her voice away as well as her ability to taste. Sure. (laughs) And the little mermaid reaches shore and drinks the potion while sitting on the palace steps and now has two feet. So she's found by the prince and he's mesmerised by her beauty. They become fast friends and she accompanies him everywhere and dances for him. One day the king announces that he has arranged for the prince to marry a princess from a neighbouring kingdom. The prince then reveals to the little mermaid that he loves the girl from the temple as he thinks that she's the one that saved his life. By twist of fate, the princess he's destined to marry is the same girl from the temple. So she was visiting the temple that day when she saw him and Oh no, okay. Yeah, and the <sighs> little mermaid is heartbroken. So the girl from the temple who was actually a princess and the prince get married and they're on the wedding boat at the reception and the little mermaid is in full on despair and she looks out to sea and she sees her sisters. Now wait for this, brace yourself. Oh. <laughs> who are now bald after exchanging their hair for a knife from the same sea witch. (laughs) I know. What the fuck? (laughs) I just had visions of like bald mermaids bobbing up and down. Yeah, I'm there. So with this blade, she has the option to kill the prince before the sun rises and smear his blood on her legs and she will turn back into a mermaid again. This story is so fucked. (laughs) It's, it's interesting though. So the little mermaid takes the knife and approaches the prince, but she sees him happily asleep, curled up with his new bride, and she can't bear to kill him. Instead, she tosses the knife overboard and hurls herself into the sea, dissolving into sea foam. But the story doesn't quite end there. Oh, God, make it stop. <laughs> the little mermaid rises out of the foam and finds out that she has become a daughter of the air. And they do not have souls either, 
but can eventually earn a soul through performing good deeds for 300 years. The end. Shannon. <laughs> so that's Little Mermaid. That was deep and dark and tragic. Yeah. Beautiful. And I, but good deeds for 300 years. 300 she, years. She did a magnificent deed that would be like demonstrate her character by not killing him. That's what I thought. I was like, she didn't Surely shank the would... guy. That's right. And she still yeah. just became a daughter of the air. I, know. I thought that was a pretty cool name though. It's super cool. Daughter of the air. I do love that. Mm. I really, really love that. However, <laughs> I think she just has earned herself like way more than yep. that cred. Agreed. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Mind blown. I know. So what do you have up for us next, Oh, my dear God, okay. <laughs> I can't. I just need a chocolate bar and some red wine or something. Oh, my God. Um, but instead, I have little red riding hood. Yay. I was hoping you'd do this one. Yeah. I know I mentioned her and I, I have an affiliation with her because I, I could not find, of course, I couldn't find the version that I have read somewhere, don't know where, where she had little glass bottles and put them in the little pockets of her cape, but I've done a little bit of research and so here we go. So, Little Red Riding Hood. Its origins can be traced back to several pre-17th century European folktales. The two best-known versions these days were written by Charles Perrault and the Brothers Grimm. So the Brothers Grimm, like you mentioned, they collated stories. They travelled around and they listened to everyone's versions of folklores around Europe and then they made their own version into this big book that was meant for adults and children, which is why this, <laughs> these stories have such adult themes as well as younger sort of themes, but they're so deep and dark. And they are. Yeah, so I thought that was interesting also when I did the research about Brothers Grimm, there was... Um, I didn't realise that. I thought they were the authors, but yeah. I didn't realise that they were sort of collectors of these folklores and folk tales and they sort of just published the stories Compiled and their them. versions mm. however, you know, they wanted to. Anyhow, so I'm sure we're all familiar with the story. It typically starts with a little girl well known for always wearing her favourite piece of clothing, a bright red cloak, made especially for her by her grandmother. She travels through the woods alone to get to her grandmother's house. Her mother has sent her to visit grandma, who has taken poorly with a basket of wine and bread. Thank you very much, because that makes everyone feel better. Definitely. Yeah. She also gives Little Red implicit instructions not to talk to strangers and not to leave the path or else she would become lost. However, Little Red <laughs> loves being in the woods and quickly forgets her mother's warnings. She becomes distracted with collecting wildflowers while her grandma, for her grandmother and enjoying the nature of the woods. All was not as peaceful as it would seem though. Little Red was being watched, stalked even, by, you know the story, a big bad wolf. Little Red winds up telling this wolf exactly where her grandmother lives and of her plans to visit her. The wolf hightails it out of there, beats Little Red to Grandma's house, where, according to different 
common versions of the story, poor grandmother is either eaten by the wolf or stuffed into the wardrobe. When Little Red finally arrives, the wolf is dressed in Grandma's clothing, now resting in her bed. She naively mistakes the disguised wolf for her grandmother and gets herself into trouble with her hungry enemy. In the Grimm's version of the story, Little Red Cap, Little Red Riding Hood, along with Grandmother, is devoured by the wolf. But she and her grandmother are then rescued by a hunter who arrives just in the nick of time. He cuts the belly open with a pair oh of shears God. and the girl and her grandmother miraculously emerge unscathed. So he, like, swallowed them whole, obviously. Well, he can't have chewed very much. No. <laughs> in a similar alternate ending, it is a woodcutter who comes to the rescue. Once Little Red and Grandma are cut free from the now sleeping wolf's belly, Red Riding Hood fills the beast's stomach with stones. Upon waking, the wolf runs away and collapses due to the heavy weight of the stones and dies. Another version has the wolf, belly full of stones, thirsty and making his way to a well for a drink of water. However, he falls in and drowns due to being weighed down by the heavy stones. Wow. Weird, hey? That is so weird. The story is a lot older than the Brothers Grimm, who are credited with creating the version most of us know today and can also be traced to multiple parts of the world. Every part of the world tells the story with its own small deviations. So the morals of the story, uh, interestingly, they seem to speak to the cultural values. Take the well-known Grimm's version. Readers learn that children like Little Red Riding Hood shouldn't talk to strangers. The Grimm story also teaches children to always obey a parent's instructions. Mm. Little Red Riding Hood only gets into conversation with the wolf because she strays off the path to her grandmother's house, something her mother has strictly warned against. Religiously and culturally, don't speak to strangers and stay on the straight and narrow are both common expressions in the Western world. Yeah, they are. So it's still those themes, isn't it? It is. Do as you're told. (laughs) Yeah, otherwise a wolf will eat you. Yeah, that's right. And so a little bit more of the history, older versions like the 14th century stories from Italy and Austria don't leave out any of the bloody details. <laughs> In one, Little Red Riding Hood is tricked into eating her own grandmother. Oh, my God. And in Charles Perrault's version from 1697, he intended as a warning to young women to avoid sexual predators. Little Mm. Red Riding Hood gets into bed with Grandma Wolf before getting eaten. Oh, my gosh. Perrault's story is more of a warning to young girls against being seduced by men's trickery. Mm. So there's a darker um, sort of correlation, again, to... um, classical Greece sort of folklore and Roman um, in which a local legend is recounted by Posanius in which, and he was an ancient author, well-known author back in ancient times, um, in which each year a virgin girl was offered to a malevolent spirit dressed in the skin of a wolf who raped the girl. Then one year the boxer... 
Euthymos came along, slew the spirit and married the girl who had been offered as a sacrifice. Oh, my gosh. So it can be traced back a lot wow. in the, you know, that the wolf story. dressed up and, the, and a young innocent girl and yeah. all the stories associated with that. That's deep. That's Little Red Riding Hood. Well, there you go. Well, I still maintain don't talk to strangers. No, true. It's still a good thing to, to good know. Good rule of thumb. <laughs> oh, my anyway, gosh. sorry about that killing was, That was very insightful. Red, that's Little Red Riding Hood. Yeah. yeah. The thing that gets me is getting cut out of the belly but then putting rocks in. Yes. But then he doesn't notice that he's being cut open. and He slept the whole time, just like <laughs> Sleeping Beauty slept the entire time. Oh. She was getting raped and giving birth, let alone the wow. whole pregnancy. And it's little wonder that they're from similar yeah. authors. <laughs> Clearly a fairy tale. Clearly men. <laughs> yeah. Yep. What have you got? Well, my last story for today is Frozen. So nice. I'm sure a lot of mums out there with little girls and boys yes. would know this movie. I definitely do. I remember I listened to – well, Frozen 1 was kind of big when Layla was little and uh-huh. I okay. once again knew every word of that movie. And wow. The songs and yes. we, she had the Elsa dress. Oh, my gosh. It's been on repeat here for, what, Lucy's tw- 11. So, yeah. Yeah. Long time. Beautiful movie. And Frozen 2, I think, is even better. It's awesome. It is. Yeah, I cried. (laughs) I did too. I did too. Well, I remember actually Tracy must have gone to the movies and watched it with Alaska because she rang me and was like, oh, my God, you need to watch Frozen 2. Oh, that's (laughs) – of course, of course. Makes sense. So Disney's Frozen is apparently very loosely based on a story by Hans Christian Andersen called The Snow Queen. Yes. And none of the Disney characters, such as our much-loved Elsa, Anna or Olaf, are mentioned in the original fairy tale. So although the tale does have a Snow Queen with her own ice palace, similar to Elsa's, however, Elsa is much, much nicer than her. The original story centres around the struggle between good and evil as experienced by a little girl named Gerda and her friend, a little boy named Kai. The devil, in the form of an evil troll, has made a magic mirror that distorts the appearance of everything it reflects. The magic mirror fails to reflect the good and beautiful aspects of people and things and magnifies their bad and ugly aspects. The devil, who is headmaster at troll school, of course, (laughs) takes the mirror and his pupils throughout the world, delighting in using it to distort everyone and everything. They attempt to carry the mirror into heaven in order to make fools of the angels and God. But the higher they lift it, the more the mirror shakes as they laugh and it slips from their grasp and falls back to earth, shattering into a billion pieces, some no larger than a grain of sand. The splinters are blown by the wind all over the earth and get into people's hearts and eyes, freezing their hearts like blocks of ice and making their eyes like the troll mirror itself, seeing only the bad and ugly in people and things. Whoa. Yeah, it's deep. Yeah. Years later, poor little Kai gets a shard of the enchanted mirror embedded into his eyes and heart, which makes him see the world with a very cold and distant point of view. On top of this, Kai also gets whisked away by the Snow Queen. It's a very, very long story, <laughs> but she basically puts him under a spell so that he can't remember Gerda or his family. Okay. 
yeah. and he's in this like depressed state where everything's just shit. Mm. So the town assumes that he fell into the river and died, but Gerda doesn't give up and she keeps on looking for him. Gerda goes through a series of adventures, but eventually makes her way to the Snow Queen's ice palace where she finds Kai. He remains under the Snow Queen's spell, but she runs up to him, gives him a kiss that releases him from the evil queen's spell. Gerda weeps warm tears onto him, melting his heart and burning away the troll mirror splinter in it. As a result, Kai bursts into tears and when he does, he remembers Gerda, which dislodges the splinters from his eyes and he becomes cheerful, happy and healthy again. They leave and make their way home and they realise that they have turned into adults. Gerda's adventures must have spanned the course of quite a few years. Oh, my goodness. It's summer when they get home and we presume they had a happily ever after. And I just love it that it was a girl that kissed the boy to wake up, not the other way around like it normally is. And that's indicative of Frozen itself. It was the first Disney movie that had a female heroine. Yes. Yeah, so that's a little background on what inspired Frozen. That's so awesome. Yeah. That story in and of itself would be amazing it's to be It's a beautiful made. one. Yeah. yeah. If you are interested, like just get on Wikipedia. That's how I, I researched a lot of it and the full version is in there of all the adventures that Gerda yeah. had to find Kai. <gasps> wow, it's so deep. Mm. Just like The Little Mermaid, the whole premise of the, the soul and The Little Mermaid wanting yeah. a soul. That's super deep. It is. Oh, it and is. beautiful and tragic. It has all of those elements. Yep. All the humanity as well as the yep. magical part. And we seem to have to sugarcoat things these days so much more just to make it more palatable. But really, it's just drawing the curtain around what life truly has to offer. Yeah. Isn't I think it? so too. Amazing. Mm. Um, in saying that, I'm absolutely going to kill everything <laughs> all the good feelings are we not go. having a happy ending <laughs> no well in this in this sort of delving into research with fairy tales and and especially brothers grim there was um a story that brothers grim compiled from folklore from mm-hmm. traveling around the traps i'm not sure where this actually originated from um however it's just hectic and I read it and it's only just a few paragraphs. Mm-hmm. It's called The Juniper Tree. Oh, I love juniper people. As did I? No, oh, as really? do I. Yeah, <laughs> juniper's amazing. But I just read this story. I was like, how does that even happen? So you know how a lot of old fairy tales and folklore um, talk about like evil stepsisters or evil step families and, and whatnot. So this has, you know, that, that step family that was never good. It was never mm-hmm. a healthy thing if your mum died early or your dad took off and if you have a blended family, it's pretty much over back mm-hmm. in the day um, to begin with. But this one um, is every stepchild's worst nightmare. Oh. And it's called the juniper tree. It's wow. very short, so just you could probably hold your breath, but I'm I've sorry never for heard Alice. Of it. Alice. I'm intrigued. <laughs> no, well, there's a good reason because it's just hectic. It goes from bad to worse, and I'm still not quite sure what the whole point is. But okay, I'm ready. Here we go. Hit me. Cannibalism, murder, decapitation. Freakiness abounds left and right in this weird, grim story. A widower gets remarried. 
But the second wife loathes the son he had with his first wife because she wants her daughter to inherit the family riches. So that's not an unfamiliar storyline. She offers the little boy an apple from inside a chest. When he leans over to get it, I'm sorry, she slams the lid down on him and chops his head off. As you do. Note, if you're trying to convince your child to eat more fruits and veggies, do not tell them this story. (laughs) Well, the woman doesn't want anyone to know that she killed the boy. So she puts his head back on and wraps a handkerchief around his neck to hide the fact that it's no longer attached. That'd work. Her daughter ends up knocking off his head and getting blamed for his death. To hide what happened... They chop up the body and make him into pudding. Oh, my God. Which they feed to his poor father. Is that it? There's one more sentence. Oh, thank God. It's slightly redeeming. Okay. Eventually, the boy is reincarnated as a bird and he drops a stone on his stepmother's head, which kills her and brings him back to life. Oh, well, that's... Cool. Doesn't it just it just the highs, the lows, and the what the fuck? Well, to start with, I'm thinking, what kind of bird would be able to pick up a stone that's heavy enough to kill someone? So I'm yep. picturing like some kind of big thing, big thing, and a, and a big vulture. It wouldn't be a pigeon. Uh, no. Wow. I just, and, and why is it called the juniper tree? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But I came across this, and I just thought. That was too hectic was to ignore. So I apologise for how no, grotesque it, it was, but far out. Wow. Folklore, fables, and fairy tales yep. have um, really been dulled down. They have, <laughs> definitely. And I'm kind of glad for it because I have I get nightmares. And yeah. so, <laughs> so I'm glad for it. Well, I don't think you're going to be seeing the Juniper Tree in like a Pixar movie anytime soon. I challenge the remakers to remake that. There's not, <laughs> but it's interesting how it follows some themes with the step evil stepmother. Yeah, you know the offering of an apple from inside a chest and apples feature a lot, don't they? Yeah. Mm. So it's all you know the common themes. I just thought it was very interesting, so I just wanted yeah. to share that and apologise for the harm it may have caused. No, I love it. Thank you. <laughs> that was great. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> we hope our listeners enjoyed this little. Walk down fairy tale lane. Yes, it perhaps wasn't as um, magical as you had hoped, or at least positively magical, but magical nonetheless. Yeah, yeah. An education in fairy tales. You're welcome. It's been a long one. Thanks for sticking with yeah, us. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. So, divine tool of the week. Yes. And I'm keeping it short and sweet this week because we have had a long episode. You're welcome. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so our divine tool of the week this week is the power of story. Oh, that's so perfect. It is perfect because I thought that I would give our podcast coven a little bit of homework. Oh, nice. So I would love for everyone to discover a story for themselves. So it can be a story from an elder about an event in their life. And this is a beautiful way to connect to your lineage. An easy way to do this is to have some leading questions such as what was your favourite place to visit and why? Or what was your favourite book as a child? And just see what flows from there. And a fairy tale 
from the lands of your ancestors. So for anyone from the Celtic origins, I can highly recommend the work of Sharon Blackie, who I've spoken about um, in season one with the Selkie story that I absolutely love. So, yeah, I urge you to just look into your lineages and see what stories are there. Learn the mythology about a deity that you've always been interested in or curious about. So, for instance, if you called your dog Odin and your cat Freya (laughs) but you've got no idea who they are... Research it, Look it and up. get to know their story. Nice. Alternatively, you can research the stories from the place you currently live. And I know for us, the local Darkingjung people have so many stories about these lands surrounding us on the Central Coast. And on a broader Australian level, the story of like the Rainbow Serpent. I used to love that story when yeah. I was a kid. So, a one. yeah, get mm. to know those kinds of stories. And Yeah, do some research, connect through story to something wonderful and enjoy. And if you come up with something really cool, feel free to email us. We'd love to know about it. Yes, please drop us a line. Yeah. Yeah, we'd love to hear. Yes, submit your stories and we'll read them out for you. Definitely. I can't Mm. wait. So that is it from us this episode. So bang on, Shan. You're amazing. Oh, you are. Oh, you are. <laughs> <laughs> I loved this one. It was good. It was lots of fun. It Thank was. you. And we hope you enjoy. And yeah, we will see you next week. We shall. Bye. Bye. We love bringing Turns Out She's a Witch to you each week at no cost. So if you like what you hear, please consider supporting the show by donating to our Patreon. We are a small operation researching, coordinating and producing the show ourselves. Any amount is sincerely appreciated and helps offset the costs of making the show. As a thank you, you'll get access to some beautiful guided meditation recordings, a Patreon shout-out on the podcast, there's monthly live Q&As, competitions and giveaways, as well as a special book and movie review bonus episodes. For more details, please click the link in the show notes. Of course, if you want to get in touch, send us an email at tospsychic at gmail.com. As always, we welcome your questions. We'd love it if you left a review and shared the podcast with your family and friends and give us a follow over on Insta at turnsout underscore she's a witch. Until next time, thanks for listening and being a part of our podcast coven. 